This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. So I think this will be a fun podcast. I discovered this couple a while back, just they popped up on YouTube and they have a channel uh, called Ancestral Evolution. On there, they discuss just kind of ancestral living, getting away from conventional, more uh, kind of processed foods and kind of being almost self-sustaining on their little farm there. And so anyways, they intrigued me and I've been trying to get them on the show for a little while, but because of having a baby and other things, we we, kind of had to delay it, but they're finally here. So I have Dave and Eliza startup. And so guys, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks. Okay. Well, let's just start out by just telling us a little bit more about you guys and, and kind of your journey on this kind of way of living, if you will, and then how that evolved into this ancestral evolution, you know, channel that you have. Yeah, I would just say, let's say, start out, we met about 10 years ago, or a little over 10 years, mm-hmm. um, on an organic farm in Nashville, some good friends of ours, uh, and I grew up in Nashville, she's from Cincinnati, and uh, she was at Vanderbilt getting her uh, nurse practitioning license, her master's in nursing. And, um, and we met there and we're already kind of into health, I guess you could say to some degree, although we were fairly naive about it, like a lot of people and that, uh, what that really meant. Um, but anyway, and then we moved up here, uh, about eight years ago, got this land. We just have just a little over eight acres, about five acres that are pastured and put up fences, started with chickens and then got more chickens. And then that turned into, let's get a couple sheep. And then we got more sheep and then we started breeding sheep and then we got a llama and in the meantime, we were also uh, doing some a fairly good bit of gardening and farming and even selling some stuff at a local farmer's market and things like that. And uh, But at the same the- time, I was going to chime in here. Um, you started having some health issues. Yes. During this time. You want to talk about? Yeah. That? Yeah. So I was having IBS is probably the main thing, just classic IBS. symptoms, And I didn't know what was causing it. And I ate pretty well. At least I thought I ate well, um, but I was still eating wheat and um, some processed foods, but fairly limited, but a little bit. Ended up having a colonoscopy, endoscopy. They removed some polyps, kind of usual stuff, but I was 47 at the time. And uh, so that was a little concerning. And of course the IBS was not getting any better. And then talking to the uh, doctor there, they just kind of threw out there casually, like, yeah, maybe cut out wheat for a while completely and gluten and see if that does anything. And it was a miracle. I did it and all my symptoms went away. I mean, within weeks it was just that was it I was and uh and then that kind of really got the ball rolling for us and then after that it became looking into other sort of diet stuff we started uh watching uh, Mark Sisson mm-hmm. and and got some books of his we got the big fat surprise by Nina Teichel yeah yeah she's gonna say that and that was super she's yeah. a bit on my talk podcast a, talk so. about a red pill yeah that, that was that yeah. just like 
yeah. really blasted the doors wide open as to um, my conceptions around fat and diet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, the sort whole of. cholesterol right. deal. Right. Yeah. So, what yeah. So that about? really turned out because she had been a vegetarian most of her life what since you were pretty young right yeah uh, 10 yeah i was a vegetarian for 10 years wow. and uh um, and then now fast forward to today and we're more sort of on the carnivore ish kind of paul saladino mm-hmm. uh, carnivore md that we basically eat meat and fruit and that's about all okay. we eat now and okay. it, it, and it's been great for us like i mean miraculous almost i would say health wise so you know, it sounds like the difference in you guys and most people, and even, even like myself, who I feel like I'm relatively healthy, but you know, we still go to the store buying, you know, store-bought stuff. When you had those health issues, is that when you kind of flipped the switch and said, okay, we just need to raise all our own stuff, have our own chickens. I mean, when did that occur? Yeah. Right around that time. That was, that was really the impetus that got us going. Um, and just, Obviously, I was getting older, getting, you know, having a, our first son when I was 45, so older parent. And uh, but that the health problems, um, both my parents uh, died of cancer, one right before we moved here, my, then my father right after I moved here. That also really, of course, got my attention because um, they weren't that old. They were in their early 70s. Uh, I didn't want that to be my future. And, um, mm-hmm. and we just, yeah, once we kind of started looking at alternative things and just sort of realizing that maybe eating closer to the way our ancestors ate would actually be smarter than eating the way that the quote health experts tell you to eat. Um, and that just kind of got us going. And then once, and it just kind of just evolved from there, the more we did, the more we started doing with that, uh, I had gotten into uh, Wim Hof method and started oh, yeah. doing the Wim Hof breathing and cold therapy. And we, then we both started doing that and I still do that to this day. Yeah. And that's been great. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, I could not recommend cold therapy enough for people and the breathing, all of it. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say the other person that we sort of came across on the, in the early part of our journey was Rhonda Patrick mm-hmm. talking about intermittent fasting mm-hmm. um, specifically. Yeah. And Dr. Jason Fung. Yes. As well. Yes. Um, and and I'm sure you see in practice just um, how many people with diabetes mm-hmm. are out there and um, what tends to work with those patients and what doesn't, you know, and I know from my time in practice, like having a low carb diet and in doing some version of intermittent fasting is what tends to help. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Sort of the conventional the conventional nutrition that yeah, no. is recommended to diabetics, which For sure. yeah. I look and back now and it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Not, and, and people have heard me talk about this before. Not only does it help in many cases, I mean, we can completely reverse diabetes, yes. uh, exactly. which, which, you know, I was never taught, but uh, I mean, yeah. I've seen it and I've done it, you know, in, in my practice. So uh, awesome. Okay. So you, you guys started living this way on your own. So you, you move out, kind of have your own little farm and I assume doing well, probably feeling well health wise. And so talk about ancestral evolution and, and, you know, how that started and just kind of what you do on there. We started ancestral evolution as kind of a way to spread sort of ancestral skills, ancestral practices with other people and to help other people so that they could learn some of these things kind of along with us. I mean, we've been, 
we're we're a work in progress and we've been learning kind of every step of the way and so i feel like bringing people along with us as as we go through this journey yeah because we're both city kids really i mean i grew up in nashville in the city suburbs she grew up in cincinnati same situation yeah i mean we, we did both not have like a little garden out yeah. back you know but there we, was nothing beyond that yeah we had never done anything like this and then now we're and with Ancestral Revolution specifically, uh, we do a lot of the stuff to do with sheep, uh, wool, shearing, so same with the skills, Skillshare channel that we have, and just sort of natural living things. And we've just kind of expanded that as, as we've kind of grown ourselves, really. Mm-hmm. So you just talk a lot on the show about maybe how people can get started doing that and just skills, raising, you know, small animals and just things like that. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. kind of things. Yeah, how to cook a kidney. Yeah. stuff that stuff that really that we would come up against we would be like hey we want to you know we'd like get a, a cow processed we'd get the entire animal bones mm-hmm. and everything and we didn't know what to do with a lot of it because mm-hmm. you know where do you learn this there's not a lot of people out there that are processing bones or you know marrow or or anything like that or kidneys and uh so that was a lot of it for us was like well hey let's just kind of record what we're doing and just kind of put this out there as we evolve yeah. into our own you know, it's kind of getting back to yeah. ancestral roots. And and I think making organ meat more accessible to people. I think so many people are scared of organs, mm-hmm. um, liver, kidney, et cetera. And um, just trying to make that more accessible and more doable for people in various ways, mm-hmm. I think yep. is a big part of that too. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. I think I, I've mentioned on another podcast, one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to eat more organ meats. And um, I've done okay. I, I've been eating some liver, although I don't like the taste of liver. And so I've been eating it raw, although I know where the cow came from. I'm not necessarily telling people mm-hmm. to do that. Um, right. uh, yeah. if, if, if you know where your animal came from, it's it may be okay. But anyway, so I find oh, yeah. that, it, I find that uh, it goes down a lot easier when I just cut it up and swallow it than when I cook it and chew it, which <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I'm the same way. I, I just <laughs> as much I'm all in on liver is probably the greatest superfood you can eat. Yeah. but I still don't like the taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We, uh, yeah, we joke. Dave is kind of like the princess and the pea when it comes to liver. If I put just like a teeny tiny bit of liver in something, he, he will detect it. Somehow I like, could, ah, yeah, that there must right? be liver, <laughs> but, uh, but I still do eat it. And we actually dehydrate it now at a real low temperature. We even have a YouTube video on this on how to dehydrate liver and make your own pills. So I take these little oh, pills that we make yeah. every day. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what, a, you know, you guys have quite a, I, I guess, quite a few animals. You said you have chickens and sheep and, and what else do you have? Uh, llama. Llama. Okay. A llama and two dogs. Uh-huh. Okay. And so um, what does a day look like? I mean, do, do you guys have other full-time jobs or is this, I mean, what is a day in the life of, of uh, y'all look like? Um, well, get up and let everybody out, let the chickens out, let the dogs out get kids going and stuff. And then, um, both of, we're lucky enough that both of us are able to be home most of the time right now. So, um, we kind of just trade off on chores and if something needs to be done, we figure out who's going to do it. We're yeah. And, uh, yeah. And we do other, you know, like I said, we have a couple of the different channels that we do stuff for that. And uh, I teach music lessons and play uh, dobro acoustic steel guitar Cool. and do that and uh kind of as another side thing and then uh what else um i do a lot of jujitsu i got into that about four years ago and i'm thoroughly addicted to that so i do that as many days a week as i can get away with and my body allows at 50 
<laughs> but um, yeah, and as far as other, we do a little bit of crops in the in the summer and the warm months, but not a lot like we used to. We've been planting more fruit trees. We're trying to get more of that going because we do eat a good bit of fruit. We don't eat much vegetables anymore, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's definitely been been a change in sort of our practices. We used to be very heavy into the gardening, and mm-hmm. now we're not eating it so much. So we're not, mm-hmm. we're not growing it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we are having lots of lambs. We just had 12 lambs born in the last, what, three weeks, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've got probably four more on the way. And, uh, and, and we do eat them. We use them for wool. We sell the meat, we various things. Mm-hmm. So that's been a big part of our, what we're doing. Okay. And so you said you started off with chickens. Um, chickens mm-hmm. are, are, it's probably a good start for people. So if, if people are listening to this and thinking, gosh, I'd, I'd love to have, you know, just some of my own animals to eat or whatever to, to you know, go to the grocery store less, eat, eat more, you know, just healthy mm-hmm. uh, types of meat. You know, chickens are probably a good place to get started. I mean, we've had chickens yeah. before uh, we got rid of them and I wish we wouldn't have, we're entertaining the idea of, of getting chickens again, but out, you know, the, the next step, what's a, I guess, a good step for people to maybe raise their own animals? How, how does somebody start to get into this kind of lifestyle? Yeah. So. Yeah. I would just say like, if you, if you live, obviously depending on your neighborhood and associations and laws and stuff like that, if you can, and you have say even two acres that you can fence in with, with proper fencing, like sheep and goat fencing or something, sheep are really easy to get into. And it's something you could just have two sheep. You need it really at least two, they need a buddy. Um, and you could have two sheep and, uh, even a, a ram and a ewe and breed them or just two ewes and borrow a ram as we have done, mm-hmm. uh, various things like that. And you could, you know, you could run at least a couple sheep easily on two acres in most parts of the country maybe not where it's super dry, but, um, uh, uh, but that'd be a really cheap or fairly easy to get into. They're yeah. easy maintenance. They don't escape like goats do. You don't have the size problem of, of cows and knocking yeah, over fences. They're a little bit easier to deal with. And also they're much easier to process. If you have to process them yourself, mm-hmm. processing a sheep is night and day from processing a cow yeah, in or, terms of what is required. <laughs> or even a deer for people that are deer hunters, you know, deer is obviously a big animal to yeah. process, but a sheep is not too bad. And <laughs> we've done the whole thing where we butcher it completely, you know, yeah. all the way into cuts. The other thing I was going to say is that um, if people do not have the space to have a large animal, like a, a sheep or a goat, um, and there are sort of, HOAs or other restrictions going on, um, rabbits are a good option Mm -hmm. because they're very quiet and you, they can be your quote unquote pet, you know, you can kind of get around some of the, some of the livestock rules uh, by doing rabbits. Yeah. We have some friends in Knoxville, like in the city and in city limits and they raise rabbits for me. They raise me rabbits Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they've never had anybody bother them because it's just a little, a little something they have out back and it doesn't make any noise and nobody ever, you know, it's not a non-issue and it's fairly simple and fairly easy to do. And they're easy to process. Yeah. Way easier than chickens. Yes. A lot chickens easier. are a pain in the rear. Yeah. To, so you got, you guys eat the chickens or you just use them for the eggs? We do. We do. We, um, we will wait until they're about two, two and a half years old and then process them for stew chickens mostly. Mm-hmm. So, 
And okay. a funny story, we uh, the first time we processed chickens, we thought we were going to roast our birds. And these birds were two and a half years old. And so we prepared it how we would a roaster, stick it in the oven for however long and pull it out. And it was inedible. It was like eating rubber bands. Really? Yeah, it was so tough. So, And then we, we realized what we didn't know, which is there are meat birds. And there are egg layers, and these are not the same birds and not raised for the same amount of time or yeah. anything. And similar. the meat layer, meat birds are usually eight weeks when they're processed. Yeah, mm. as opposed to two plus years. Yeah. <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. It's a big difference. How, how many chickens do you all have? Uh, we have, what, 10 right now. 10 right now. With yeah. chicks on the way. Yeah, and then actually we'll have four more babies and then some more after that. Yeah. So, yeah, we average about probably 12 to 20 in a given year yeah okay Depending. oh wow and so so do y'all keep those in the yard do you have them in you because know, you said you have eight acres you have the you let the chickens kind of roam free how do you do that yeah so um we've like say got five acres that are pastured where all the sheep are in the llama and um and it's got pretty good fencing and um so we just let the chickens run around during the day and then of course at night that's a good thing about chickens is they put themselves to bed we do have to lock it up to keep raccoons and stuff from getting in there and killing them but um, but the only real issues we've had with predation is uh, hawks because mm -hmm. they're running around in the field and there's hawks everywhere here in East Tennessee. And so we lose probably one a year. I'd say probably one chicken about on average a year to a hawk. Yeah. But it's not a real big problem. But we do we do lose them occasionally. But but it's yeah. worth it because then they can live a natural chicken life and not be just locked in a little coop and they can just yeah. run around and eat bugs and yeah all that. They what else they've eaten. Uh, mice they've eaten frogs oh yeah snakes they've all the things some snakes yeah. <laughs> they eat all sorts of that's things. good yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah okay it cracks uh, me up when you see those uh packages of eggs in the store and they say vegetarian fed it's like chickens are not vegetarians yeah, <laughs> yeah. chickens would not would not choose a vegetarian diet no they would not <laughs> much like a dog yeah. right 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 um so tell me more about kind of y'all's health you know, regimen, I guess, um, is, uh, I know Dave, you said you, you know, like the cold pool as, as I do. And, and I mean, what do y'all do as far as exercise, take us through a typical day of just maybe, you know, what, what you're going to eat. I mean, do you fast every day? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, typically we, we do intermittent fasting. So we usually have about a 16 hour window roughly that we don't eat. Sometimes it's longer, mm -hmm. sometimes it's shorter, but I try to get at least 16 hours of nothing except for water. Um, and then when we do eat, we usually eat eggs, we eat eggs almost every day. Cause obviously lots of chickens. And, uh, so we eat just kind of a carnivore lunch typically of eggs and meat eggs of and some bacon. kind or bacon or Sausage, something, something like that. And of course we buy the, the better stuff that we can. And, um, and then eat again in the evening, so we probably don't eat till usually two o'clock, sometimes even three. And then we'll eat again around seven-ish, seven, yeah. something like that. And uh, same thing. And I kind of have a mostly uh, carnivore dinner. And then for dessert, we'll have fruit with a little bit of honey, local honey. Um, it's maybe some heavy whipping cream. Uh, otherwise, like every time I've ever showered, in the last what i guess over four years now i always take a cold shower at the very end i just do a normal shower and i go full cold even in the middle of winter when it's freezing cold and try to stay in for several minutes and get my head in and really get that full cold therapy and that's one of those things a lot of friends of mine are always like ah, you know you're crazy how do you do it 
But, and as you probably know, you get used to it. I mean, when you first do it, it's like, if you can survive 15 seconds, you're doing great. But then after a year plus, it's like two minutes is nothing, you know, and you can do five minutes where, so that's been a big thing for both of us, me Mm -hmm. probably more so. um, Yeah. I've, yeah, I've definitely, I've not been doing the cold showers to the extent that Dave has, especially during pregnancy. And um, actually I, I took a full on cold shower the other day. I'm eight weeks postpartum now. Um, but actually gave myself mastitis due to the, the shock of the cold. So I think I'm going to be taking it easy for at least a little while. I did do uh, full cold showers while breastfeeding my other son, but I waited. We probably didn't start that until he was at least a year, maybe close to a year and a half. So it was later sort of in the breastfeeding journey. Yeah. So how often do you guys have to go to the grocery store? I mean, how self-sustaining are you? I know you have a, a four-year-old and now a baby, um, but it, it sounds like you're eating mostly meat uh, that you raise mm-hmm. on the farm. Maybe you get a, a cow, you got, you got chicken eggs. Mm-hmm. If you're not eating, you know, many processed foods, how many trips do y'all have to get, you know, go to the grocery store and then what kind of stuff are you, or do you keep in your pantry? Yeah, we probably go probably like once a week. It's pretty close to our house, um, but not much for food. We get very little food. What do I mean? We, what, we, we get, get heavy, whipping heavy cream, cream mm. butter, okay. fruit, um, and some cheese. Yeah, some sometimes. a little bit of cheese and fruit. And that's it outside of just you know toilet paper and other sort of True. regular stuff. Um, okay. We don't really buy much food otherwise. Yeah, grocery, do, grocery shopping gets a lot less sort of interesting yeah and a lot less expensive too. yeah sure yeah yeah uh, we, and, and we do get local meat from uh we've got uh, a few farmers that we know that raise cows and um and we get local beef from them and even sometimes local pork and other things like that so we pretty much got all our meat either yeah. and, from and our own stuff or from somebody we know yeah you haven't wanted to have your own a couple of cows yeah. there to, to raise and then butcher we do, but it's just, it's a little tougher because the acreage we have, we're already kind of at the limit with our sheep and how much pasture will support that. Um, and of course a cow, even one cow takes, it's probably the equivalent of what we figure out, like maybe five plus sheep. Yeah, it's, a, it's a lot. So mm-hmm. until we, we would like to get some more acreage or maybe buy some actually next to us. And until we do that, uh, we probably won't get any cows, but I would love to eventually, honestly. Yeah. And, how, and how then many... the other thing with cows, again, is the processing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If push comes to shove. I mean, we've we processed one of our own animals from start to finish um, of the sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think trying to do that with a cow would be. Yeah. And processors. Yeah, and for some reason, the processors here are super backed up. It's over a year wait to yeah. get in. Same way here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's really backed up. So, um, and how many sheep did you say you have? We have eleven sheep plus twelve lambs, and we should have four, uh, approximately four more on the way. Yeah, okay. so. plus a llama. Mm-hmm. What? So, what do you do with the llama? Uh, he's really a guard llama. So, um, something we had, didn't know anything about in the past until um, we, of course, like we've got coyotes around us, all the usual animals that will come in and, and kill your lambs, especially. Um, and we have good fencing and everything, but uh, we had looked at some various, you know, dogs like to guard, guard dogs, that kind of thing. And uh, llamas are great. So we had a friend kind of recommend that, hey, if you look into guard llamas, 
And so we just got a single, uh, what did we call it? Gelded, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, llama, yeah. fixed llama. And he was already, he was already a few years old and he had, they had tried to use him as a pack animal up in Gatlinburg and he didn't like it for some, some of them don't like it. And anyway, long story short, we got him and uh, have never had any issues because if uh, we've never had this happen, but were coyotes or dogs or anything like that to get in there, that's sort of their natural llama's natural enemies. And they will, uh, they'll flip them over and disembowel them and like stomp them to death essentially. <laughs> and are very aggressive against, and we've had coyotes where we've, they've been right up there and the llama will, sit right there on the fence yeah, and he'll stare them down stare them down like you know come get also, some the neighbor's dog <laughs> if the neighbor's dogs get along the fence line he'll do the same thing he'll just be standing there like mm, yeah daring them to try something and usually they'll run away so yeah, yes we found him to be a great guard animal because you don't it's not like you're feeding him dog food they he eats the same you know right. grass and supplemental hay and stuff that the uh, sheep do so it's very affordable and um and very low maintenance and we shear them every year and get the really nice fleece and she spins and does everything and all the way from shearing to the hats so mm-hmm. wow yeah okay yeah and i guess uh donkeys do maybe something similar don't they I mean, very similar yeah, yeah it's yeah. almost exactly the same thing really of course you just you don't get the fleece obviously but uh but they're very yeah we have some friends that have donkeys as guard animals mm-hmm. exact same deal yeah uh very good so you have a, a four-year-old uh, and mm-hmm. so I'm curious, uh, what he eats and as your both boys grow up, what kind of stuff, um, will they be eating in your household? Um, you know, because obviously I have, I have two kids, they're, they're older, but they're exposed to so much crap, you know, just oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no matter what we have here in the house, you know, they go to school, they eat like crap. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and unfortunately we didn't start them off on this kind of lifestyle. And so of course they're, you know, used to the uh, chicken nuggets, you know, store-bought chicken nuggets and, you know, pizza and French fries and whatever, you know, and I would say they're better. They, they do better than most kids, but which is not saying right. much. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so what, what is that going to look like for you guys as your boys grow up and maybe what, what does the four-year-old eat now? Yeah. So the, uh, the four-year-old eats what we eat pretty much. I mean, he, I mean, we've done breakfast with him for a while and doing three meals a day, but we're just starting to transition into doing two meals for him too. And he's been doing okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But otherwise he eats what we eat, which is meat and fruit, which is 95% of what we eat. Like you said, though, of course the battle is going other places because there's always somebody that's dying to give them some Cokes and candy and all the garbage, you know, it just yeah. it seems like at every event you go to with kids. Right. So that's always a tricky. Well, and so we try to do little workarounds. Like we had a soccer game yesterday and we were supposed to bring the, the drinks. So we at least got some hundred percent juice, juice boxes, as opposed to the sugar water kind. And while we're not really super for that, it's, it's better than most things. And uh, so really, I think for him, and then certainly as he gets older, it's, you know, I guess if you never know, let me back up if it's not normal to eat pizza and to eat you know sort of processed foods then you're never going to miss it and that's kind of what we're going for is just just have them so used to this that it's just what is normal yeah yeah Yeah, it it would be hard to not expose them to that though right i mean uh, i don't know how what y'all are going to do schooling wise but i mean uh, gosh everywhere they go if they go to a friend's house i mean they're gonna have they're gonna have junk food so um 
you know, but I mean, if, if he's, ed- if they're educated and they know that's what we're trying to do with ours, if, you know, when they leave our household, we at least want them to know what is healthy and what is not healthy. Yeah. Um, right. Th- th- despite what, um, you know, the, everybody else says, I mean, I think they're going to leave and, right. and say, okay, yeah, I know that that fat free bag of chips isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so anyway, that's kind of our goal, but yeah. yeah. And I was just going to throw in there too. And we've actually, even though like our, all of a sudden's only four and a half. He's already kind of aware, at least in a four for a four and a half year old, what's bad. And we'll walk around the store and he'll look at stuff. Oh, that's terrible for you. That'll make you fat. That'll make you sick. Yeah. And it's it's kind of cute and funny. I mean, yeah, does that have the bad oils in it? Yeah, he'll ask, yeah, because we <laughs> yeah. we don't do any yes. of the seed oils. <laughs> right, right. And um, and two, like he'll get sometimes candy or chocolate. Like he doesn't like milk chocolate because it's too sweet. Things that are really sweet have tons of sugar. He's not used to it. So when he does no. get it, he doesn't like it because it's just, it's too, and I don't eat myself. I mean, I grew up in a traditional sort of American sad diet. Right. Uh, but now that I've been eating this way for several years, I, you know, it's your tastes really do change and mm-hmm. things that used to, I didn't think were so sweet. I can't stand anymore. Like soft drinks, for instance, are just overpowering to me. And, uh, and our son's kind of the same way because he's just not used to it. So that helps a lot, sort of self-limiting. So what does your pantry look like? Because it sounds like really the only thing that you get at the store, heavy cream, you know, butter, cheese, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. what do you have in your pantry? <laughs> not much. <laughs> tallow. Yeah, lots of tallow uh, that we process ourselves. Yeah, I mean, we've got two big freezers and we, we keep a lot of meat on hand. Um and it's so sort of always the game of thawing out meats and stuff. We eat rice every once in a while. I eat a little rice every once in a while. I eat maybe some sweet potatoes. Fairly rare though. Um, yeah, I don't know. We yeah. don't really have them. I mean, we'll not eat, really a whole lot. Yeah, maybe a little dark chocolate here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, not much really. <laughs> it's pretty much all meat and fruit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting. Okay, uh, I'm curious. Uh, you know, with y'all eating this way for several years, do you uh, do your blood work? Do you kind of check, uh, you know, just different things or you know panels and stuff? Um, I guess you've had blood work most recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and-, and classically, my what LDL was high, mm-hmm. and so, but cholesterol, was high. cholesterol. But that's such a, a silly marker. It is. Yeah. People yeah. that are educated yeah. about it, that. Yeah. It, it just it, as long as the triglycerides are low, then exactly. Yeah. Yes. And and so yeah, I didn't have any issue. Even though, of course, my uh, primary care wanted to put me on statins. Sure. Almost yeah. immediately was, and I said, no, there's no way I'm on earth. I'm doing this. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't have heart problems. I don't have right. arterial plaquing. You know, I'm quite sure of that. Um, but anyway, so we just, yeah, going with, yeah. And all my numbers and things through pregnancy have been good. Um, I've maintained this diet pretty much. I've, I probably upped my carbs some during pregnancy compared to what I was eating beforehand. Um, more fruit and a little bit more like sweet potatoes and things, um, during pregnancy, but so, but yeah, do you guys, have a cheat meal sounds like you're pretty strict i mean do you sometimes go out and a pizza and a beer i mean do you do you allow yourself that kind of thing yeah we do to a degree um so we don't eat out much of course the you know everything happening with the coronavirus kind of stopped everything for a couple years anyway and we didn't eat out much before that then we really don't eat out much now just um 
but we will, I mean, you know, when in Rome, if we go to a birthday party, I'll have a little piece of cake and, and interesting on that too, with the gluten, I had all those problems. Uh, my guts have apparently healed because I can have a piece of cake. I can have a couple pieces of bread. You know, it's very rare, but once every month or two, I'll be somewhere and have something like that, a slice pizza. And it doesn't bother me anymore. And used to, it would kill me. It would just absolutely just tear me up, but uh, it doesn't bother me now. Um, so we're not super, super strict, but it's really, it, our kind of philosophy is if we don't have it at the house, we're not going to, we're not going to go out and buy it. We're not going to make a special trip to go get something. Yeah. So unless there's like a birthday or a holiday or some reason to have something like that, we don't ever have anything at home. So when we do eat st stuff that's not within our usual scope, it's just probably because we're at a birthday party or some event or something and we'll have stuff. I'll have a beer. I like dark beer. I don't drink it much, but I'll have dark beer occasionally or a glass of wine or something like that. And, uh, you know, we're not super <laughs> strict about it, but, but it's just, it's just so rare that it doesn't really matter. Cause sure. you know, yeah, it, yeah. I think of yeah. it as a percentage, it's probably less than 5% of the food we eat a year is like yeah. that. So yeah, you can get away with it. So, uh, when people, when they want to move towards more of an animal based diet, which I advocate, one of the challenges of that is, it's hard to prepare a meal quickly. And so you come home from work and you're hungry and it's certainly a lot easier to either stop at a fast food or, you know, something else. Any tips on that? If, if people want to eat more this way, how can they have either have things prepared or, or just kind of practically speaking, give us some tips on how people can do that. Yeah. So uh, eggs are your friend. Eggs are super quick and easy no matter what. So if you just make sure you have eggs in your fridge at all times, um, that is an easy go-to if you just need to grab something and go. Mm -hmm. um, also, Including hard-boiled eggs, which is we yeah. when we travel, we just make a whole lot of hard-boiled eggs and like, salt and take them with us because it's the best portable food and it's super healthy. And uh, yeah. And um, the other thing I was going to say, as far as like a quick meal is just um, like sauteed burger mm. is very quick to prepare mm -hmm. and very easy and tasty. Whip it up with some eggs and there you go. You've got a perfect meal there. Yeah. Um, and I was saying the other thing too, is we'll cook big roasts. You know, it's just yeah, us and the kids. Too. So we'll cook real big roasts and large cuts of meat and then you've got leftovers for you know two or three days easy that yeah. you can just that are ready to go in the fridge so we yeah. do a lot of that well very nice well as uh so as we kind of wrap up here um well first let me just tell people where they can find you so it's ancestral evolution um, mm -hmm. is the name of your uh youtube show and like i said you've mm -hmm. got all kinds of tips and just kind of living this lifestyle i think you've got some recipes on there just different things is that correct mm -hmm. yeah, yeah exactly yeah uh, kind of uh, how else can people reach out to you? Are you on any other social media platforms? Um, you can find us on Facebook. We also have um, some classes on Skillshare and Udemy. Mm -hmm. So those are some other platforms where you can find us. Yeah, and it's all ancestral evolution on, on all the different platforms. And then uh, the latest thing we're doing, we're actually trying to start a soap company where we are starting one. It's just we're just now getting it off the ground. But uh, Eliza had been making soap for a long time. Um, She's into chemistry and is a Yale grad and just nerdy like that. So she uh, had been making soap for a while and we've been, uh, we make it out of our own tallow that we render. And um, so we're actually starting a, a little soap company here that we're going to 
it was going to be all natural, like old fashioned style soap made just completely the way it would have been made hundreds of years ago with tallow and all natural ingredients. So yeah. doing that well, too. Very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, sounds cool. Well, I uh, like what you guys are doing. Um, you know, yeah, thanks. You more, too. more yeah. people could, could do that kind of thing and including myself. And so as we wrap up here, I always ask my guests if they could give us one health tip that would make us healthier today. What would you guys say to that? And you can both have an answer. Okay. So my number one tip would be avoiding seed oils. Explain um, seed oils one. being, uh, yeah, canola oil, sunflower safflower vegetable corn soy all those all, all those the chemically guys. extracted oils that are not yeah. just like cold press type oils sure. and yep. they're yep. they're very insidious if you avoid all the foods that have those oils in them <laughs> you you will do yourself a huge favor yeah and you've and probably it, avoided 90 percent of all food in the store by the way when once you if you right. exclude wheat yeah, wheat products, uh, right. corn syrup, and seed oils. Wow, that eliminates like yeah. so much stuff right there. The, the, but all the bad stuff. So I was yeah. gonna say the biggest culprit I think that people don't think about is salad dressings mm-hmm. with these oils. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, that, they that's think a- they're being healthy eating a salad, but they're dousing it in in these oils, and they don't think about or they don't look. Yeah, yeah, good, good see. point. Yeah, no, that's a big one, and it. It shouldn't be foreign to my listeners, uh, uh, you know, talks, I've talked some about it, but yeah, I tell my patients all the time, if, if you have those vegetable oils in your cabinet, throw them in the trash. I mean, they're, they're poison. So, I mean, yeah, yes. for sure. Great advice. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about you, Dave? What would you say? Uh, I would, I would go probably with the cold therapy stuff, cold showers mm-hmm. and, and cold baths. Um, that's been huge for me. That was, we started doing that really before we started with this diet thing. And uh, that was kind of one of the more early, the Wim Hof stuff was kind of got me into that. And, uh, and at the same time, almost right after that, I started doing jujitsu and in my late forties and, and I was still playing soccer as well. I've always been a real active kind of person. And, um, and that really, I felt like allowed me to where I could go four or five days a week of playing soccer, jujitsu, you know, literally five nights a week. Um, and just that cold therapy, it's, it's not just for the soreness. It just, it, it helped my cardio. It's helped my recovery, everything. I just feel like it just really has been huge for me and something that I'll do until the day I die. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just too important. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear somebody else say that because uh, my wife, who's also a physician uh, thinks that I'm crazy um, and I do it. And I do it. <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of that. <laughs> my, my, my listeners know that, that I do this and I've had videos, you know, on our website and stuff, but um you know, we have a swimming pool and so I get in the pool and so I get in my, I get in my sauna, I rinse off kind of in the cold water and then uh, I'll get in our pool and there's in the, in the dead of winter. I mean, there's many times the water's in the thirties, sometimes in the forties and I'll stay, I'll stay for three to five minutes, you know, in in the pool. And uh, uh, so anyways, yeah, it's just something that's fun that, that I've, uh, you know, really enjoyed doing. And so uh, anyways, yeah, well, good stuff. Well, yeah. uh, yeah, appreciate you guys' time and, um, yeah, it's really cool what you, what y'all are doing. So everybody uh, check out their, um, YouTube, um, uh, videos, ancestral evolution. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. And, and really yeah. just wonderful to connect to some like-minded people that are, you know, like Eliza being a nurse practitioner, all that are not just doing this, but also in the medical field, obviously this is very rare. Yeah. Unfortunately for people in the medical field to, 
sort of advocate for these types of things, but they're really huge. I mean, it's just, yeah. it has been life-changing for us to say the least. I mean, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. So, okay. Well, appreciate everybody listening and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Fit RX. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.